From Relay FM, this is Analog, episode number 32. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's, an exceptional shave at a fraction of the price, Bushel, a cloud-based mobile device management solution for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad, and Fresh View to Go. View your current inventory status from anywhere in the world, wherever, whenever you want. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined, as always, by the king of craft, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Casey Liss. Hi. How's I- it going? I was I was going for like the craft cheese because we'll get to that in a bit. And oh, then I was God. thinking, what could be a V? Like, what is a V? The Viscount of Velveeta? Viking? Mm, no, because I'm going for more of a like a. A genuine question. I'm not trolling you. Is vicar a good thing or a bad thing? It's a like a priest. Oh, okay. I thought that was an English thing. What? I thought that was like a British thing. This is how ignorant what? I am. Vicar. Mm-hmm. V i c a r. Yeah. Well, I thought that was uniquely British, not a um, general thing. God, this is already going nowhere good. Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I think so. No, I oh, think I, got, I think I know what you're saying. Uh, well, apparently in the Roman Catholic Church, it's a representative or deputy of a bishop. In the Episcopal Church, it's a member of the clergy or uh, in charge of a chapel. And in the King's Church of England, or Queen's now, an incumbent Hello. of a parish where tithes formally pass to a chapter or religious house or layman. I don't know what that means. We're going to have to cut all this out. So, hi, Mike. How's it going? No, no. Uh, let's not cut it out. I went to a Church of England primary school. What? Really? Yeah, so my primary school, uh, primary school is the first school. So from the ages of like two to 11. Wait, literally wait, two? As in two years old? No, I didn't mean to say that. I, I was going to say, say three. That's still pretty young. Well, my school had a nursery built into ah, it. Ah, okay. That makes a lot more sense. I'm with you now. Yeah. Um, which you could go for maybe two years, I think. Mm-hmm. But I was there. So it was, uh, it was called St. Luke's Church of England Primary School. Okay. The name of the school, mm-hmm. and we used to have mass on a Thursday, every Thursday, and the uh, the priest or the vicar would come and uh, would would give mass for us every Thursday. And it's quite funny. Because I think it's quite funny. Religious education was sparing, in that we learned an awful lot about Christianity and not a lot about any other religion. <laughs> like I remember, <laughs> maybe once a year we would like celebrate. Oh, we would learn about another religious like ceremony, like um, Diwali, which is the Hindu festival of light. We would learn about that during Diwali week. Uh, but other than that, it was like just all, all religious education was uh, for Church of England Christianity. So no talk of Hanukkah? Nope. Passover? Nope. Yom Kippur? Nope. Sad times. I didn't even... The, my only frame of reference for for any Jewish holiday was Friends. <laughs> until I got into oh, secondary God. school. Yep. Until I got into secondary school. So like the hol- holiday armadillo was a big thing in my house. Um, or until I got into secondary school. Oh, my God. And we had a, a much broader, more uh, far-reaching religious education uh, because it was uh, just a standard, uh, what is called comprehensive school. I went to. So is that like a public school? Like not religiously no, so affiliated? No, so that's a... See, com, so this is, do you, are you familiar with the stupid naming in the UK where public actually means private? No. So a public school is a school that you pay for. What? Also referred to as a private school. 
and what you would think as a public school is actually referred to as a state school or a comprehensive. Interesting. Okay. It makes it, no sense. It it makes no sense. Where, how did we end up here? My God. Um, so w- we should probably bring this back around and we should talk about some follow-up. Yes, we do actually have some follow-up this week, um, which, is, which isn't, it, we don't always have real follow-up on this show, mm-hmm. but this week we do have real follow-up. Um, this was sent in to us by every single person on the internet. That is an actual, factual, accurate statement. <laughs> that Kraft with a K macaroni and cheese has been recalled because of a metal contamination. So it has tiny pieces of metal in it, which is probably not a flavor. No, it is not. What's interesting about this is, in America, Kraft macaroni and cheese is like the standard stereotypical mac and cheese. And so I expected when bringing up Velveeta that a lot of the Kraft mac and cheese zealots would come out of the woodwork and just completely tear me a new one because they think that the only real mac and cheese in the world is Kraft mac and cheese. Surprisingly, I did not get a lot of that. However, all of the internet did come to my defense when it came when it comes to Velveeta after this broke because they said, ha ha, oh my God, what if this was Velveeta? What would you do? And um, yeah, if it was Velveeta, I'd still eat Velveeta. I'd just throw away the boxes that were that were contaminated. But anyway, um, I was I was not happy to see this, but I was very happy it was not Velveeta. For the last two weeks or so, I have heard from everybody that likes Kraft more. Oh, really? Yeah, people tell me that I tried the wrong one. Ah, interesting. Okay. But um, I have also heard from lots of people uh, about this as well, this story, which I do find, I find it very amusing. I love when there is a little moment of serendipity where you mention something and then something like this happens. Mm-hmm. There is a German word for this okay. that I can never remember. Like, you know when you are interested in a new car? Okay. And you see lots of that new car then driving around everywhere. Mm-hmm. There is a German word for that. Well, there's a German word for everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not surprised by this. We'll, we'll put in the follow-up, whatever that word is, because undoubtedly someone will inform us. Yeah, it's one of those things that I've brought up on podcasts many times over the years. like, And then I've had to do really random Google searches to find the German word. I'm looking for. It's very difficult to Google for something like that, but indeed, there are people out there that can help. Excellent. So how do you feel about Croft uh, being contaminated with tiny pieces of metal? I mean, the obvious not sarcastic answer is that that's not good. I mean, you don't want anyone to get hurt. And I like me Kraft mac and cheese just fine. But um, the, there is a little bit of vindication on my part that it was not Velveeta that befell this horrible tragedy. And instead, it was Kraft macaroni and cheese. I think it's the Beta Meinhof. Yeah, it's the Beta Meinhof phenomenon, which is spelled B A A D E R hyphen M E I N H O F. I assume that there's like two people that discovered it, maybe. But the hmm. Beta Meinhof phenomenon is when you uh, find out a piece of information and hear it all the time. Uh, we had some suggestions for something that is the opposite of a white whale. Um, yes. Is there any quick way to summarize that conversation that you can think of? We were t- somebody sent in a relay your feels about this. So they were saying like, do you have an opposite of a white whale? So the white whale being the person that we want really want us to uh, to like to follow us on Twitter, um, and and doesn't. 
right, uh, right. And, and so now they basically somebody wrote into us and said like f- is there somebody that you wish wouldn't follow you in on twitter and right. then you know we wanted an opposite of a white whale so we've had a few suggestions and i've collected up some of my favorites okay um so joe martin suggested albatross which now, i quite liked i like i like it but i don't really get why it's the opposite of a white whale because it's a bird and not a whale sure i mean I'm sure there's probably some literary or cultural reference here that I'm missing, knowing me. But albatross is a cool word, though. Uh, albatross is of the biological family Diomen, a large seabirds allied to the storm petrels and diving petrels in the. I can't read half of the words in this uh, Wikipedia article. Well, speaking of cool words, uh, the next suggestion I I definitely like, although I'm not sure if it's if it's appropriate for this use. So this uh, came from Wit, who is Stephen Hackett's brother-in-law, uh, Kraken. So because awesome. Krakens are undesirable and infrequent. <laughs> Actually, when when you describe it that way, I can, I can get behind it a little bit more. And plus, how how much fun is it to say that you have unleashed the Kraken? Exactly. <laughs> or you, and then we were Bren and John both suggested Ahab, which is the that was Captain most Ahab, right? logical. That's definitely the most logical of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, after Captain Ahab. Yeah, I got to say that Ahab is probably my favorite because it is the most, it makes the most sense of all of these options. So we're going to go with Ahab? Oh, so I, I only have one vote of two, my friend. What do you think? No, I like Ahab. I like Ahab. I, I can't remember. I know that me and you gave this multiple uh, reasons that I can't fully remember now. But uh, I, for, for people that you don't want to follow you but, but do, and there's nothing you can do to get away from them, uh, we will now call them Ahabs. What if, does it need a, that kind of name, like a proper noun? What if it's just like a clinger? Well, it's the idea that it's the opposite of a white whale. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You have more of a romantic literary mind than this. I guess. I don't know. I, I can't think of anything clever. We'll we'll leave it to somebody else to uh, maybe Jason will do some follow out and suggest something for us. But until then, until we come up with a better answer, Ahab it is. Did you enjoy the all of the cheese talk? on upgrade i did although somebody who a couple of people got very upset at me when i said that manchego was a dry cheese which i believe i said on twitter if i'm not mistaken maybe i said it on here uh but one way or another very angry cheese people including the the good mr joe Steele, very upset with me and explained that it is not in fact a dry cheese it is apparently a crumbly cheese yeah i found it to be crumbly i like that you refer to to joe as a cheese person (laughs) He's also cheesy, but that's a different issue entirely. Uh, why don't you tell us about a friend of ours? Let me do that. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Harry's. I love Harry's. Harry's are really cool because they're kind of like this great story of a couple of people that wanted to go and create a better product. So the founders of Harry's, they were fed up of painful shaving experiences both on your face and also to your wallet. So they decided they wanted to change this. So they went out and they set up Harry's. They found a fantastic German blade engineering company um, who created these incredible blades that are really soft, really smooth, just generally like just really great to use. And they decided that they loved their product so much that they were going to buy it. They're going to buy the whole factory. And this allowed them to create Harry's. Harry's believes that you shouldn't have to pay 
incredible prices to go out and get a great shave. And they believe that there should be products that are created that speak to you, like from a kind of a philosophical level, but like from a branding level. And there's like just everything about it. They just want to feel just just to feel good. Harry's offers high quality shaves at about half the price of other big branded blades. They ship for free to your door and they have a starter set, which is just $15. For this, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream or firming shave gel and three razor blades. I love the way that Harry's products look. They've got this really super cool retro kind of feel to them. It's a really nice classic design. Um, and it feels like when you see something like that and you look at everything that goes into a product, there's something about it like this kind of like upstart classic, like underdog kind of thing that I really like. It speaks to me, definitely. Um, and, and I like to support companies like that. And I love to support them even more when their products are so great. Um, I love their like the the moisturizing products that they have like they have like they have an actual moisturizer and i love their firming shave gel as well so it's not just the razor blades that are great i think they actually make really nice feeling and smelling stuff to help look after my skin as well i use harry's blades to keep myself looking sharp and trim i am a man with a beard but you know you've got to clean up the edges casey as you know from the fact that you grow a huge beard all the time all the time all the time um I love Harry's products. I think that they're super cool. I think they're a great company, and I think that you'll like them too. You can experience a clean, close, comfortable shave with Harry's. If you go to harrys.com right now, they'll give you $5 off if you use the code ANALOG with your first purchase. as H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and use the code ANALOG at checkout for $5 off. So start shaving better today and start shaving with Harry's. Thank you so much to harrys.com for their continued support of this show. Excellent. Okay, so we have a little bit of Relay Your Feels. Yes. Uh, this one came through a couple of weeks ago, and I've been meaning to bring it up, and this is from Danny on Twitter. And Danny asked, uh, how well do you guys recognize the Twitter followers who you interact with regularly but you don't follow? And this is a great question. This is a pretty interesting question, actually. I, I recognize avatars, and I've, I've noticed this... Um, when whenever I meet people, so um, whenever I meet people at like meetups or like other types of events or stuff and stuff like that, people will tell me their name, and I never remember their names because like, I'm terrible at remembering names. Yep. But I, I I genuinely tend to ask people sometimes, "What does your Twitter avatar look like?" I've never asked someone that. Do you get weird looks when you ask that question? No, because I immediately say because I'm terrible with names. And most of the time, like, people will tell me. Like, sometimes I recognize people's faces. There was this one time at, um, at Exo, Exo Festival. Um, I was con- I kept calling somebody by the wrong name because they looked like somebody else, like in a Twitter <laughs> avatar. So, for, like, for the whole weekend, I kept calling him by this other person's name, and it was embarrassing for everyone. Whoops. Probably worse for, for him than me because I think half the time I didn't even know I was getting it wrong. Um, so I apologize. To, to to the person if they're out there listening um <laughs> but yeah i i'm much better with with faces than names i think I, you know when people say that oh i think i'm much better i think that's a general thing for all human beings but um i am bad with names <laughs> yeah. so i remember i remember faces and also there are like there are 
there are faces that I see frequently, uh, like Danny is one of them. Like I know what his Twitter avatar looks like because we we interact quite a bit on Twitter. Like, and I like that. There's like this feeling um, of people that you know, like because their their faces pop up. I like that there are kind of like the usual suspects you might mm-hmm. call it, who people that have things to say or they send things to me, like links and stuff, which I quite like. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Do you do you find that you are this way? Do you recognize uh, people that tweet at you frequently? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a handful of people that um, that either we've exchanged a lot of tweets or we've talked about something on and off regularly, um, like maybe cars, for example. Um, you know, maybe there's someone who I, I don't happen to follow, but I know um, ha- you know has a shared love of BMWs. Like um, a, f- a guy I know, uh, Amro, who I met at WWDC a couple of years ago. Um, I don't happen to follow him, but I know he has a very nice 335 and he lives in Atlanta and works for someone, maybe even MailChimp. I forget the details. But um, the point being, this is someone I know, even though I don't follow him. And there's many examples of that. Um, and I, I also like it. I, I feel bad because I don't want to come across like a jerk because although I like interacting with these people, that doesn't necessarily mean I want to follow them. See, I sound like a jerk. No, because no, I'll tell you why not, because there are people that listen to this show that don't follow us on both of us on Twitter. Yeah, that's a good point. And so because of that, like just because I don't follow you here's here's I'm going to bring it around here. Here's how I'm going to save myself. Just because I don't follow you doesn't mean I don't like interacting with you. It doesn't mean that I, that I get annoyed by a, a mention in fact, oftentimes I like them. And and it's nice to have, um, I, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. You know, it's kind of like your buddies or maybe your, your close acquaintances on Twitter. Is that reasonable? You know, people that maybe you don't know super well, but you always you always enjoy seeing them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. yeah so, acquaintances is, is a, probably a good uh, analog for that. Hey-oh. Ding. Um, so yeah, so I definitely do recognize a handful of the followers that I interact with uh, regularly. All right, what else? So we also have, you're probably dying to discuss this, it comes from Jacob and Jim, we, uh, because two people asked it within a couple of days, I figured it was worth including. Uh, how do you feel about the Jeremy Clarkson scenario? I can't talk about this right now. <laughs> I can't talk about it, Mike. I can't. Give people a very brief background into what's going on here. Okay, so um, also in case things have changed by the time this episode actually, that's comes a out. good point. Okay, so as we record this, which is on what day is today? Like the nineteenth of March, is that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. as we record this on the nineteenth of March, um, my favorite TV show in the entire world, which is a BBC show that airs in the UK called Top Gear, um, it has been put on suspension. I guess is the best way to to describe it because. There are three what I would call hosts, what Mike would call presenters on the show. There's uh, Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, and James May. And it's a show that ostensibly is about cars, but I would argue has gotten to the point that it's more of a comedy show that just happens to be car-themed. Well, in any case, of the three presenters slash hosts, um, Clarkson, Jeremy Clarkson, is the one that is kind of... The Indisputed brains the operation, him and one of the producers, Andy Wellman. Not to say the other hosts aren't wonderful. In fact, I would argue that James May is probably my favorite of the three. Um, But Clarkson Clarkson is kind of the brains behind it. 
Well, he's been around since the very, very, very first incarnation of the show, and it was nothing like what it's like now. Right. And that, I mean, it's been on since the 70s and then kind of reincarnated itself in 01 or 02. So in any case, um, about a week ago, uh, there was some sort of, what, what was the word they used? Fracas? Fracas? I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> right. So it's fracas. And this is what I find so weird, right? So... <sighs> Basically, the media create this term, right? Fracas. They don't create it, but they 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 have they have decided somebody somewhere has decided to use the word fracas to describe this. It may have come straight from BBC, mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted to maybe downplay the severity of it all. Um, and now, like it's referred to as the fracas, like, and that's how people just know it to be. Um, I just did a Google search for this to find a link to put in the show notes. And the link that I will put in is apparently, me me and Casey were talking about this privately and he was trying to understand how the BBC works. Um, and, And I was trying to explain to you about how they are kind of accountable because we pay directly. Uh, apparently there will be a report next week. Okay. So this is where we'll find out what's happened. All right. Well, I'm anxious. So we were, Top Gear was seven episodes into a 10 episode, um, I would call it season, Mike would call it series. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there was apparently some, what I would call kerfuffle over from everything we've been, that's been reported over a meal after they were filming. And so supposedly Clarkson actually struck one of the producers and Clarkson is known arguably worldwide as a hothead and as very, as very outspoken, very opinionated and kind of a big jerk. In fact, when I had tweeted about this a couple times and, and I felt a very neutral way and all I said was, Hey, this is happening. I didn't say I hated it. I didn't say it sucked. I just said, Hey, this is what's going on. A lot of people came out of the woodwork to say, Oh good. Clarkson's a jerk anyway. And you know, there's some amount of truth to that for sure. But I was surprised how, how, I guess vitriolic the 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 how deep the hatred was for this man from a lot of people. You love him when you hate him. Mm-hmm. And so he is Marmite. <laughs> so in any case, so because of this this kerfuffle, um, what has happened is they have at least temporarily suspended the last three episodes of the series, and if not, there's been rumblings that they've canceled the the remainder of this series or in American this season. There's been talk that maybe the entire show is canceled. I'm very curious to see how this works out. My limited understanding of the BBC's financials is that Top Gear makes an unbelievable amount of money for them. So I'm very skeptical that they'll put their money where their mouth is and like fire Clarkson or anything like that. Um the thing with him is the problem with him is, and and why I think that it, it could be cancelled. Uh, he is a firecracker, and if it's not this, it will be something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of problems the BBC have had with him over the years, especially recently, they're getting a bit. Um, I think they needed to do something because I think that Top Gear believe that they are untouchable yeah yeah so they had this whole massive to do over going to uh it was argentina wasn't it yep 
and they got basically there was a bunch of different problems and for one reason or another they effectively got and ch- got chased out of the country and were took refuge in Chile I believe that's right yeah and for the whole season they've been making reference to it with like Chilean flags and stuff yep have you noticed those I knew that that was going on I and I yeah. there was one episode where it was really egregious and you could easily tell and then the rest of the episodes I hadn't really noticed but every episode there is a Chilean flag well that I've seen because I've not seen the whole season yet mm. I've now stopped watching it uh, I'm waiting to, I'm just waiting to see what happens before I get too invested in the rest of it <laughs> yeah I don't blame you so I wanted to know like so how you don't have too much of an opinion about this then um I don't know I I do I think I think Clarkson needs to realize that he's not invincible. I I think that is true. But part of what makes Clarkson Clarkson is his complete lack of a filter. And so it scares me to think what would happen if Clarkson really did embrace the fact that he is human and he is not infallible. Does that make sense? Like it would might, if he embraces the fact that he has to watch what he says, then he probably won't be the Jeremy Clarkson I love anymore. Uh, Yeah. No, I get that. I totally get that, actually. It's his brashness and that, that makes him kind of an entertaining character. Right. Doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right for him to be that way, for the record. But it is what makes no. him entertaining. Yeah, and there are always characters like that in TV. It's why they're called characters. Right. Um. So I kind of was interested in in taking us a, 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 a tad further. Okay. Um, now, I'm not saying that Clarkson is a role model of yours, uh, but in that instance, like, if he was, or, or in this scenario, if somebody is a role model of yours and they upset you like this, do you feel, like, let down? Because I feel let down by him, like... Because I I enjoy the show and it's it's frustrating to me uh, if he has done something untoward. There is this other part of me where it's a little bit like it is so strange that you can be somebody could annoy you. Let's say this guy has annoyed him. We don't really know what's happened here, and then you can lose your job over it. I know obviously he works for him, but it's just I don't know. It's just this like weird like things can happen in your personal life that end up affecting you. In your career, and I know that, that I'm not saying that he sh- if he's punched the producer, he shouldn't be suspended while they investigate it. Of course, they should be, but there's also this other weird part of me. It's like, why can't you punch a producer if they annoy you? But um, maybe that's why I should never have a producer. <laughs> uh, do you understand what I'm saying by that? Like, it's like if they're friends and he's annoyed him. Yeah, let him work it like, out like friends. But yeah, and sometimes that means a, a punch in the eye, but. But obviously you can't do that. I get that. But but anyway, going back to my original question, uh, have you can you can you think of any other scenarios where this has happened to you in your life where it's kind of like do you, do you feel let down by these people? Like they should be uh, upholding a, a greater sense of right and wrong. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example. I can't think of anything that's like a moral decision. So I'm going to have to think of something that's a little bit more superficial. Um, When I was younger, I was a tremendous basketball fan. It just so happened that we moved to the Chicago area right after the the Chicago Bulls had won their first championship with Michael Jordan. And I'd already started to get into basketball, but I quickly became a humongous Chicago Bulls fan. 
and I watched them go and go on and go back to back and then win the three peat. And I was a fan of, of the bulls for several years. And when Michael Jordan retired the first time, I was sad, but you know, that makes sense. And then he came back and if memory serves, and it's been so long since I've thought about this, he came back to the bulls and it was, he did well, but it was just not the same. And then he left again. And then he came back, I believe, to the Washington Wizards, if I'm not mistaken. And it was just terrible. And, At what point did he go to play baseball? Oh, and there was baseball, I think, after the first retirement. I don't <laughs> know. But so anyway, the point I'm bringing up, or the point I'm driving at is, I was pretty disappointed when he came back. Like, I was sad when he retired, but not disappointed. I was disappointed when he came back because he should have had... He should have had the wherewithal not to do it. He should have stuck to his guns and said, you know what? I'm done. This is it. And so again, that's a very superficial thing. But, and I don't know if I would necessarily describe Michael Jordan as a role model, especially since from everything I've understood, he is so competitive. It makes him a complete jerk in every measurable way. But it 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 certainly, I was certainly let down by that. Um, the only other way, the only other example I can think of, and then I'd be curious to hear if you have any examples is a lot of times, I think the easiest way for me to feel really let down is if a friend does something that I really disapprove of. Um, and I can't think of, I can't even give you like an anonymized version of a story because I can't think of any stories offhand that, uh, of a friend that's done something that I've really disagreed with. But if I'm in a situation where a friend does something and it isn't even necessarily involve me, but it's something that I just feel is unequivocally wrong. You know, either they've treated someone terribly that didn't deserve it, or they didn't do the right thing. And maybe this is someone who I'm really close with. When that, it, it, when that perfect aura has been tainted by one bad act, that's extremely disappointing because here it is someone that maybe I'm really close with, or I'm getting very close with, you know, especially when you find yourself like a new buddy, like you and I a year or two ago, and maybe a couple of years ago now, you know, when you have a new buddy and you're all excited and you're like, Oh man, that, that Mike guy, he's so cool. I like him so much. And then you, if you were to do something that I really disliked, you know, that's, that's sad, you know, and that, that may, that hurts because suddenly this, this new, this new friend of mine who I, who I love so much and I'm really into, well, you know, they're human, and that's okay, but it's kind of sad. I've definitely worked with people that I've really looked up to, like, and, and, and I used to see this in in a really more egregious way uh, in my previous career, like maybe my previous, previous career when I worked um, in, the f- like, the financial retail arm of the bank that I worked at, uh, where you would realize how people can give in to to certain like uh greed and things like that obviously there was actual money involved you know in in some places and you would find out that people um that you like you know you actually then find out that they were stealing oh god see that's that's a whole new level of wrong that's that's legitimately like legally morally ethically that's just plain wrong so I had people that I really looked up to and ended up finding out that they were that they were stealing money. And I had like this weird I don't actually not weird. I had a real pride for my company. Um and for a long time I was very proud of it and I think that there was still a part of me uh, that was very proud of it uh for a long time. Um and 
when you would find out that somebody would do something like that, it's like I don't, I can't understand it because most people, like most people, when you work in a scenario like that, when you're working with actual cash, most people are able to distance themselves from it. So like, you know, I would see tens if not hundreds of thousands of pounds a day at points. Sometimes I would be loading it into a safe or uh, from a armored car into a safe or something like that. And most most well-adjusted people are able to to distance themselves from it and realize that it's it's just paper, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't see the monetary value in it anymore, and it's the ones that that can't do that distancing are the ones that end up stealing. Mm-hmm. Um, or that you know, there's there's so many factors at play which you don't always know, like they could be going through some sort of turmoil or whatever, but. But you still look up to people, and when you find out they do things like that, it's so, it's so kind of like soul crushing, especially the first time, because it's like, oh, I didn't know that anybody. I heard about this. We had training about this, but I didn't think it actually happened. Yeah, yeah. And and what the first time you find out about that, it can be a real like eye opening experience, especially when you're 19 years old. Sure. And and you start to realize the way the world works a little bit. It can be a bit, a bit daunting. Yeah. Um, as you were talking, it occurred to me, I have a specific example. Um, I'm not going to name this person, of course, because um, that that's just not necessary. But um, it was a little while ago that um, I met a podcaster that I'd listened to a lot. And this particular individual was kind of mean. And that was really disappointing. Like I had heard rumblings that maybe this person wasn't that nice. And I'd heard some stories through the grapevine that, well, they can kind of be a jerk. But I try as best as a human can to give people the benefit of the doubt and make my own judgments. It doesn't always work, but I try pretty hard. And um, I met this individual and spent a little bit of time with them. And came away hugely disappointed because it turns out they were a real big jerk. And that that actually did kind of hurt. Not only because they were kind of a jerk to me specifically, but they were the fact that they were a jerk at all was really disappointing. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe you were there for all of this going on. Yep. It's one of the things that to this day I uh, feel terrible about. Um, and wish I could go back and change. Oh, I wish I could change how I reacted to that entire situation. But I mean, that's either that's neither here nor there. But the point I'm driving at is that's a really great specific example of this was a podcaster who I'd listened to a lot, and I didn't realize that they were kind of a jerk, and that made me really, really sad. And actually, to be honest with you, it still kind of makes me a little bit sad because I don't think they need to be a jerk. I'm not even sure they're entirely aware that they're a jerk, I think they slightly are, but whatever. Um, but that made me really sad to see that because I had spent hours upon hours listening to this individual and that, uh, that sucks. You know, I, I don't know if I'd say this person was a hero, but it's certainly somebody I looked up to and turns out not so much. And that was, that was not soul crushing, but it was deflating for sure. Yeah. That was one of those kind of those scenarios where like, you 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 know when you're never really sure what to do, so you can just <laughs> sit and, and and laugh awkwardly. Yep, which I think everyone was doing. Yep, including me. 
and it's like uh, I don't know what to do about this. What is happening? Um, something that I mean, I, this was the time when me, I think me and you had known each other for like three days. I believe that's right. Yes. Uh, so I like to believe that if it was now, I probably would have hit the guy. Uh, but it was so. It was just one of those like I don't. I literally cannot understand what's happening right now. <laughs> It actually makes for a quality story, which uh, unfortunately I don't want to tell because I th- I don't think any good comes from it. But if you ever happen to meet me in person, and uh, and if you want, you can ask me about this story, and I'll and I'll tell you the story because it's uh, it's a funny story. But it was weird. Just one last thing. That is a really great example of like uh, never meet your heroes. Oh yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. And again, I don't know if I would necessarily describe this person as a hero, but unequivocally, unequivocally, Some, yeah. someone I looked up to. For yeah. sure. Oh, good call. All right, let's what, take this yeah, to a happier yeah. place. Let's talk about uh, somebody else that's awesome. Let's do that. This week's episode is sponsored by Fresh View to Go. Discover how easy online inventory management can be with Fresh View to Go, an intuitive and dynamic software solution. With Fresh View to Go, you can view and manage your inventory from anywhere in the world whenever you want. That is the beauty of a web-based inventory management software solution. You're always in charge. All you need is an internet connection and an iPad, laptop, tablet, or PC and you're good to go. You can use the information at your fingertips to support decision-making such as inventory purchases to optimize your stock levels. You're always going to know what inventory quantities are available and at which location. This is super powerful stuff to people that manage these things on a large scale. You can maintain the right inventory levels and reduce tied-up cash in unnecessary stock with just a few taps. You can simplify complex procedures in managing tracking and organizing your inventory actions with fresh view to go go to tinyurl.com slash fresh pods to start your no commitment free trial today you can cancel at any time during your free trial as long as you have only one user in your account you can continue to use fresh view to go for free fresh view to go online inventory management software for people on the go thank you so much to fresh view to go for sponsoring this week's episode of analog all right so Speaking of taking things to a happier place, uh, tell me about a revelation and realization you came to recently thanks to ThinkUp. First, in case people don't know what ThinkUp is, um, ThinkUp is created in partnership by Gina Trapani and Anil Dash, and it's a great app that, that I use. And basically, I sign in with my Twitter, and it gives me a bunch of really interesting statistics. So it can give you, like fun stuff like how many times you say the word thank in a week or whatever and and there's not really like i'm not a (laughs) so i don't need to worry about these things too much but it's just a really interesting look at some stuff so like for example you find out um which of the people you follow have changed their avatars which have changed their descriptions it tells you things that happened a year ago so like on this day in 2014 um it shows me uh, which of my tweets were the most memorable in a week. So, like, the ones that got the most favorites or retweets. Uh, it's very interesting. It tells you, like, new uh, interesting followers. And, uh, you know, it can do that by a bunch of different metrics. But one thing... And every now and then it throws up something fun. So, I was told that my Twitter bestie is uh, Casey Liss. <laughs> and uh, Of this- course. This statistic is has been uh, calculated because in, what does it say? In the past month, Casey has tweeted at Mike 30 times and Mike has replied 20 times. What about those other 10, jerk? 
Do you, you know when they are? That's when you send me something about Britain or America with a little <laughs> waving emoji. That's what those ones are. Probably. You're probably right. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. Um, so, yeah, so you and I are unequivocally besties. Mm-hmm. Like, computationally speaking, it's it's a fact. It's not even up for grabs anymore. Yeah, like a computer has with a, a artificial intelligence right. has worked this out. I mean, it's on the internet. It has to be true. So we talk a lot on Twitter, me and you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we talk a lot in many different places. <laughs> uh, but um, and, and one of the things that we do is we have lots of jokes that we make back and forth. And I I really enjoy these jokes. I wonder if the world does. I, I don't know if we ever talked about this on Analog, but I know you and I have talked about this at some point or another. Um, I definitely worry that people who follow the both of us are really in for a rude experience or a really tough experience because I don't think we're terrible going back and forth, but there's a lot of it. And certainly there are a lot of inside jokes. And when I say inside jokes, it's they're inside if you follow the both of us. Like it's not necessarily private jokes that only Mike would understand or Mike and I would understand. But oh hold everything. Hold everything. I did not even think we have to recognize something. Something big has happened today, Mike. Oh, no. We have to recognize something. What happened today, Mike? You sent me a bunch of balloons. How many balloons, Mike? 10,000 balloons. And why did I do that? Because you understood how to use a workflow action. (laughs) Which in turn was because somebody crossed 10,000 Twitter followers. Was it you? No, I I, kind of did a while ago. It was you, Mike. (laughs) It was you. 10,000 people want to hear all the stupid stuff you and I say to each other. Well, well, I think about 9,000 9, are just robots. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, I'm so, so the, congratulations. That's a, that's a big milestone. So uh, I, I should have mentioned that at the top of the show. I apologize. So anyway. No, so, I really didn't want you to mention it. Oh, well, you know, we're besties, so I can get away with it. Anyway, mm-hmm. the point I'm driving at earlier was, um, I wonder if it is terrible, like you were saying, to follow the both of us. And... I apologize genuinely if it is tough and I try not to go too overboard with the inside jokes and the back and forth tweets between you and I, but I'm never going to not do it. I mean, it's part of who, who I am and who we are. And if you don't like that, then I'm, I'm genuinely sorry about that. And if you need, if you think that the, the best answer is to unfollow me, that's fine. I'm sorry to lose you as a follower, I guess, but, but I hope we're not too annoying, but I worry if we're really annoying. So I know that um, I enjoy seeing it in other people. So I like to see... One of of my favorite things on Twitter is to be able to to watch uh, people interact. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it it kind of adds to the, the water cooler aspect of it all, really. Or like why, you know, there are times where Twitter feels like this thing that's plugged in and like that what kind of like plugs me into the rest of the world in its own little way. Yeah. Um so I, I, I very much enjoy being able to see people interact with each other, whether it's like um arguments or uh just general conversation or general merriment. Um it is something that I enjoy to see. So I, I like to think that that people uh like to see the silly things that we have to say to each other. I think the fact that quite quite frequently people join in as well, which I do like as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, especially if it's like an in joke, especially with something to do with this show, because it's like that's that's some real brand engagement uh, <laughs> for you there, Casey. I know how much brand engagement uh, matters to you. So totally. No, but you're right. And I, I enjoy it as well. I like it when people get in on in on the joke, you know, and, and they're participating in the joke with me. And to kind of go back a step to what you said a moment ago and being a bystander when other people are doing this, like I get tremendous amounts of enjoyment watching, say, Guy English, who is a GTE on Twitter or Dan Morin, who is D Morin. Is that correct? Um, mm-hmm. The two of them are very, very quick with witty replies, not necessarily inside jokes, just generally witty replies. And watching the two of them fire at people that I also follow, I think that's hysterical. And and I get quite the laugh out of them oftentimes poking fun at somebody, but it, but in, in a good spirited, you know, in a, in a nicely spirited way, not in a mean spirited way. Uh, and I just think that's hysterical to watch. I don't know if you get you get a similar feel from that. Yes, no, I do. I do. And I, I, it's something I just feel it, it, it adds more to the idea of, of Twitter, like humanizing people further. I don't know, like mm-hmm. creating this like scenario in which you can find more fun in these things. And, and it's, it adds more to people. So like people that you enjoy their work or whatever, you actually start to see them more as human beings as well, which is, it's a lot of fun. And it's one of the reasons that I love it so much. I agree. So I have another quick topic okay. for you because uh, that that was intended to be a short, shorter one as well. Okay. Um, it was your birthday, indeed, this past week. Yes. Uh, what did you do for your birthday? Um, so my birthday was St. Patrick's Day, uh, which was Tuesday, and on Monday afternoon I had planned to work from home, and so Aaron had told me in the morning. Hey, guess what? We, I, Aaron has prearranged with my parents who live about 45 minutes west of us. She has prearranged with my parents that they were going to take Declan for the night. And we, Aaron and I, were going to continue on to Charlottesville, which is an hour west of us and uh, where we met and where we lived for several years. We're going to continue on to Charlottesville and we are going to do basically whatever we want for the evening and then stay in a hotel room, just the two of us. And then pick up Declan on the way back to our house the following morning, which was actually the morning of my birthday. Um, This was naturally extremely stressful because this was the first time that we had ever been away from the baby overnight. We had been away from Declan uh, several times, many times, I would even go so far as to say, um, for several hours at a time. A great example is my work holiday party. But we had never been overnight away from Declan. And... Declan is exclusively breastfed, and I bring that up because that creates a whole world of different problems that that formula-fed babies don't really have. Because basically, Aaron needs to amass breast milk over the course of weeks, and then you know freeze it, package it up, give it to my parents, give them a bottle, and and it's it's not the sort of thing that that she can just spring and just come up with the idea today and execute it tomorrow. So I bring all that up to say uh, it was very nice of her to think all this through and of my parents to take Declan. And it made for a really awesome birthday. All we ended up doing was going to dinner and then chilling in the hotel. But just being able to do that and not have to worry about Declan, who admittedly is a very easy child, but just to be just us again, even for a few hours was awesome. And so it was a really great birthday. It was the it was mellow in the best possible way. And uh, and I really enjoyed it. And you know, overall, how how did it feel like to be away from the baby for a day? You know, it's funny because 
when she initially... Because this is the first time, mm-hmm. completely. Yep. And so when she had told me that this was going to happen on, on the morning before my birthday, immediately I went into like react fix-it mode. Oh, do we have enough milk? Did you pack everything? Do, what do we need to pack? And of course she had already thought through all these things, but I didn't know this was happening. So I had to, I had to like calm myself and realize, no, 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 Aaron's got it under control. It's okay. Uh, but once I got through that moment, I actually thought I handled it pretty well. And I felt like we did okay. We did call my parents. We FaceTimed with my parents right before he went to bed. And then we FaceTimed after we woke up. But that was it. Like no text messages asking, is he okay? Give us, you know, send us a picture. Um, I thought we did pretty well. That being said, the two of us basically fought over him when we finally got back to my parents' house. So um, it, it was it was great. I thought we both handled it really well. But even though all he does is kind of sit there, I mean, he's got a, he's getting more personality every day. But you know, on paper, all he does is sit there and occasionally smile and laugh. You'd be surprised how much you miss that little that little guy after being away from him for a day. So it was awesome, but. It was also awesome to come back to him. So, do you, like in that scenario, like, do you worry about like, um, do you worry about him or do you just miss him? Um, more miss than worry. You know, I'm the elder, eldest of three boys, and my parents, you know, raised all of us, and so it's not like they don't know how to be parents, and they're both very sprightly. I mean, they're not particularly old. They had me pretty young. I think my mom was like. 22 when she had me so my parents are not terribly old um but nevertheless they haven't been parents of a baby in 30 years you know well a little less than that but you get the idea and so because of that that scares me a little because a lot of things that were taken as writ 25 20 25 30 years ago for example um putting the baby in the crib with a crap load of blankets to keep him warm that's not a thing anymore. In fact, putting anything in the crib other than the baby and potentially a wearable blanket that they that's wrapped around them, anything other than that is considered extremely dangerous. And for mom and dad, that's contrary to everything they grew up with. And of course, they look at us and say, well, you survived just fine. I mean, we can put some blankets in there, yeah. right? And it's not that they're being jerks or anything. And in fact, and this happened to my with my parents, it happened with Aaron's parents, um, they're trying to do the right thing, but things have changed in 20 years. And so I worry a little bit, but generally speaking, I just missed them. Like I, I was, it wasn't like we were sitting there thinking about him and talking about him every second, although certainly we did a lot of both, but man, was I excited to get back to him the next day. Okay. So just as like a very quick aside now, cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested. Okay. How do you keep a baby warm? <laughs> okay. So, Um, so there's these things that, um, what we use as a sleep sack and we'll, I'll get a, I'll get a link for the show notes. And basically, um, have you heard of what's the adult wearable blanket? I, um, was it a slanket? Uh, uh, snuggy. Yes. That's what you said. The one that Lex wrote the book about. Yes. Yes. So, um, so if you think of a snuggy, it's sort of kind of like that, but the idea is, especially where, when they're young, um, you you tuck their arms down so they're next to their body. So, you know, if you were to do that today, your hands would be at your thighs, right? And then there's a portion of this thing, of this kind of wearable blanket that wraps around them. So it keeps them all bundled up. And the reason you do that is because they've been, you know, kind of bundled up in the womb for 
months and months and months. And so they generally like to be bundled up. Uh, I'm trying to find you a link real quick. Um, and I will put it in the chat and we will have it in the show notes. Um, and so you can see that basically what you do is you stick their arms through these two little holes and then you wrap the blanket around them. And so the idea is there is no possible way for this thing to get up over their faces and for them to suffocate. Right, okay. Yeah, I see I see babies in these types of things and it looks crazy. Yeah, and it I, it would strike me as hugely uncomfortable because I am a I'm a I'm a fiddler. I I I I am always moving. Something on me is always moving. I'm tapping my foot, I'm fiddling with my hands, I'm doing something. Uh, a fidgeter. That's what I was looking for, not fiddler, fidgeter. Um and so for me this sounds really uncomfortable, but he loves it. So, hmm. there you go. Yeah, there's just something about it. It's just like you kind of look you're in, the baby's in a straight jacket. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like, if I'm honest. But again, when you're... Because well, I guess it serves the same purpose. Yeah, kind of. Uh, right? It's to stop them from moving yeah, yeah. like and going crazy. Oh, totally. And, yeah. Yep, you're absolutely right. And uh, <laughs> and But seriously, he loves this thing. And uh, we're really scared of how well or poorly, really, he's going to sleep when we're eventually... Um, going to have to take him out of them because they only make them for like maybe not infants but small 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 babies and he's on the edge of growing out of his and so then I'm not sure what's going to happen because as he flails his arms like his dad does that ends up waking him up and so I'm scared he's going to be he's going to wake up every 10 minutes because he's flailing around Right, there was one more thing that I wanted to get to today, Uh, but before we do that, let me just take a moment to thank our third and final sponsor for this week's episode, and that is our friends over at Bushel. Bushel is a cloud-based mobile device management solution for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. Bushel has been built to be used by anyone. It is a super powerful IT tool that doesn't need a dedicated IT manager, and it doesn't need the person that uses it to have read through stacks and stacks of IT books. It allows you to take control of the devices that you have for people that work in your business business or your team. With Bushel, you're able to really easily set up and manage email accounts on people's devices. You're able to, uh, if you need that in your workplace, require the use of passcodes um, for security. You can also wipe devices remotely if you need to. It's just really, really great for iOS devices, this kind of stuff. And you can also remotely install apps onto people's devices as well. Maybe stuff that they need for work. You know, maybe you use Google Drive, maybe you use like uh Dropbox and maybe you use like I don't know, like Omni Outliner or something like that. And you you have uh, accounts and you have uh licenses for these apps, you just want to get them onto people's devices. You don't even have to like bring them in and make them plug it in or say, Oh, use this code. You just install it remotely straight to the device for them. It's super powerful stuff. And Bushel takes advantage of a lot of the enterprise type things that you can have on iOS to make this stuff happen. It's all perfectly possible and easy like not easy, it's, it's difficult to do, but it's easy for these guys to make happen for your devices. It's really, really cool. Bushel can also help if you have a bring your own device scheme in your workplace. So people can bring in their own phones, their own tablets, their own Macs, and you're able to set them all up with all the stuff that they you that they're gonna need for your business. And if they ever leave your company or they get a new device or something like that, you can wipe all of that business specific data off the device without touching any of their personal stuff. Bushel allows for simple automatic setup of Apple devices in your workplace, allowing you to configure and manage them without needing to devote the resources of a per- like a whole person or an IT manager or to bring somebody in to do it. 
With Bushel, you can get all of the control that your business needs without having to lose all of your time. You can sign up for Bushel right now at bushel.com slash analog. That's A-N-A-L-O-G-U-E, of course. The first mm-hmm. three devices you will register will be free for life. And for any more, it's just $2 per device per month. This is a fantastic deal, so you should go and try it out, especially if you have just a few devices in your workplace. Thank you so much to Bushel for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Yep, thank you. All right, what's last on our list? So we'd spoken about this last week, and I figured that we should probably get to it today, especially after hearing you on ATP. Uh, how are you <laughs> feeling about your decision to not purchase an Apple Watch right now? Yeah. Okay, you're going to buy one. <laughs> right, so now this is actually perfect. Mr. Casey Liss, tell me after our conversations last time now, how are you justifying yeah. to yourself the purchase of this device? I, I love you so much for making this such an easy topic to approach. Uh I'm still not 100% convinced it's going to happen, but it's probably going to happen. Um, I don't know. So what the problem I have is I candidly, I have the money to buy one. That's not really the problem. The problem is, should I buy one? And what is it? What does it say to those are, that are important to me, most specifically Aaron, if I do? So Aaron is very justifiably concerned that this will just be another shining object for me to look at and to distract me from paying attention to Declan or her. Mm. And that's not unreasonable. Now, what's very unique about the Apple Watch is a lot of people who have used them for any duration of time have said, well, the interesting thing about the watch is it actually gives you time back rather than taking it away. In other words, you glance at a text message, you quickly fire off a very, very terse reply, and that's that, and it's done. And perhaps, now I'm kind of going out on a limb here, um, because it doesn't have a full-bore Twitter client on it, and of, of course this is going to happen at some point, but just for the sake of conversation, you don't have a, a Twitter client that perhaps it's comfortable to read Twitter on. Maybe that's a better way of phrasing it. Um, you're not going to answer that text message and then say, yeah, you know, while I'm here, why don't I check Twitter and get caught up? So the, the watch is interesting in that maybe it would actually make me less likely to stare at shining rectangles of glass, but I don't know. I'm torn because it's a new shiny thing by the fruit company. And I always like to buy new shiny things by the fruit company. And Again, financially speaking, I'm I'm capable of doing it, but it doesn't but A, just because I'm capable doesn't mean I should. B, if I do it, I'm not sure I'm going to have the self-control not to spend way too much money doing it. And I'm no I'm not talking about the stupid edition. I'm talking about like the watch rather than the watch sport. So, I don't know. I don't know. And the best thing I've though the thing I'm trying to stick to more than whether or not I'm going to buy the stupid thing. Um, it's something I think I said on Analog last week, which is I'm trying to to convince myself if I do it, the only way I'm allowed to do it is as a reward for completing something, specifically something health-related, either losing just a smidgen of weight because I think I could stand to lose maybe five or 10 pounds or even better, exercising regularly for some not insignificant duration of time, maybe a month or something like that. And I'm trying to hold myself to that but it's so shiny, Mike. 
It's so shiny. Okay, so justification in these sort of things is such an interesting thing for me. Uh, because sometimes I wonder, like, why do I have to? Why do you have to justify them? Yeah. I'm sorry, I just got distracted because with regard to me losing weight, Joe Steele in the chat just said, pro tip, don't eat Velveeta. That's a pretty good point. If I'm honest, that's a pretty good point. Uh, with, the, with the greatest respects to your Velveeta love, I do sometimes think of it and it does make me feel a little bit ill. Oh, that's sad. Oh, and actually, I have to, that reminds me of some follow-up that I forgot to bring up. Uh, when we were at mom and dad's um, the, earlier this week, my mother made made a point of telling me with incredible enthusiasm how much she absolutely loved you describing the pro- the production and consumption of that Velveeta. She oh my loved god, it. your mom listens to this show. Yes, that is so amazing. Hello, Mrs. Liss. <laughs> my dad does as well, but my mom was particularly amused by the Velveeta conversation. So, no, um, you've you've mentioned to me that your your dad does, and you're, I know that your dad listens to ATP, right? Uh, but I didn't know that your mom listens to the show, and I'm very happy about that. See, how about that? Um, so, anyway, I, I'm sorry, I've completely digressed. Um, so, I, I believe you were saying, why should you have to justify it? Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, and this, I mean, I I fully uh, respect the fact that I don't yet have uh, a lot of real financial responsibility. However, this is something we need to talk about at some point. I am uh, starting the process of saving up for a house. Mm-hmm. That's something that we have to talk about on this show at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when it's maybe when I don't want to cry about it so much, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or maybe that's the exact right time to talk about it. But we'll bring that. I, I want to talk about that soon, actually. So we will talk about that. Um, but there's this element of like you know, like if you can afford it, like you say that you can. Um, and I understand that like there are there are you know you have to. In a partnership, you have to to be open and honest to each other about these things. And I'm not even meaning this so much as in a, you have to justify this to Erin. Because I think if there's anybody you did have to, it would be her, right? Because you two have, now you have a mouth to to feed as well. But like the idea of needing to justify these things to people that aren't even your loved ones, I feel like that that is a thing that comes up a lot where people feel like they have to justify why they need this product to be able to buy it. And sometimes I just wonder like what's, what's so wrong in wanting something? Yeah. You know, and I think this comes down to, I forget which show I was listening to. It might've been the talk show, but somebody was talking about how, um, displays of kind of flagrant consumption is not really acceptable in most of the Western world. Whereas in China, for example, from what I've understood, that's okay. You know, the, we people will, will, like women will carry, and occasionally men will carry a Louis Vuitton purse. And that's a somewhat ostentatious display of wealth. Uh, let's pick on me. I drive a BMW, and many people will say that that is an ostentatious display of wealth. And I can't really yeah, argue with totally that. You totally don't need to drive a BMW. Like, John Syracuse drives a Honda Accord, right? Totally. Like, you could drive a Honda Accord, too. Yep, I absolutely could. And and that's actually, a, I think a BMW actually is a great example of this. Because anytime I tell somebody what I drive, which doesn't happen that often, but happens on occasion— uh, and I think we've talked about it on the show, in fact— I don't say I drive a BMW— I say, well, I drive a BMW, but I bought it used. 
And I feel compelled. Yeah, see? I feel yeah. compelled to say that because I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound like, look at me and how rich I am. And I feel like if you say I drive a BMW, that, that, that the implied end of that statement is so bow to me because I'm so damn rich. Right. But then there's this other point where it's, which is a thing that I think about maybe a little bit more, um, which is like, why should I have to explain myself? Oh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Because you at all. shouldn't have to either. Like, you earned an amount of money which meant you could buy a BMW. Like, congratulations on you. Because even if it was used, it's still more expensive than most cars. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you know, there is this interesting thing, and and it is in like these maybe more humble cultures, mm-hmm. um, where you kind of have to do this. The, the Chinese thing is 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 weighing on my mind right now a little bit because there's ah, I don't know about this. I feel like too many people are leaning on China as an excuse for Apple right now. I would agree with that. And I feel like a lot of times people are bringing up China without actually really knowing anything about it. They just heard somebody else say it. Oh, that is me right now, without question. That is exactly what I am doing. It's it's very frustrating to me. Oh, it is. And and I and I wish I had some amount of authority with which to make these claims that ostentatious displays of wealth are okay. Um, because this is the thing, right? You just did it, and I knew you did it, which is why I brought it up. You heard it heard someone say it on a talk show, so now you believe it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I am guilty as charged, without question. But I mean, I—that's where I have my information from as well. But it, it is this weird thing where it's like, oh, so we heard Ben Thompson say it, and Ben probably does know, but now we all just assume that that's the case, and we'll all just keep saying it. Mm-hmm. because it seems like the, the the right thing to say. But yeah. anyway, that's, that's a whole other topic. I don't even know what that is for anyone. <laughs> no, but you're right. And, and so why do I why do I feel like I have to justify it? Um mm. I I don't want I don't want what I'm saying to be misconstrued as either a a celebration of myself or b an implied put down of somebody else. If I'm talking to John Syracuse, we've just met and because and he mentioned something about cars and I say, Oh, what do you drive? Well, the fact that I brought it up, you could construe as me waiting for him to say, well, what do you drive? Well, I drive a BMW, you know, just me even asking the question could be construed as me celebrating myself. But anyway, so let's say he brings it up. Well, Casey, what car do you drive? Well, I drive a BMW, but you know, I bought a used, you know, because I don't want it to seem like I don't want it to seem like I'm putting him down or that I'm being cocky and building myself up. I just want to state the facts. And maybe I'm worried a little too much about what other people think. I don't know if there's any maybe about it. I think I am in general worried a little too much about what other people think. But in this context anyway, I'd rather be overly cognizant and try try very hard not to make someone feel bad rather than not acknowledge it and say, you know what, screw that other guy. If he doesn't like it, it's not my problem. In America, do people openly share how much they earn? Absolutely not. It's extremely rare. And if it is and if it does happen, it's usually amongst only either family or friends that are so close they're basically family. So if I asked you, like, I'm not asking you, this isn't me actually asking you, but if I asked you to, t- to to share with me how much your salary is, you would feel a bit offended or put off by that? Um, I don't think I would put, well, you specifically, no, uh, because we're so close. But 
if even I don't know how to phrase it, but like a not you know one of my best friends in the entire world, but a, but even someone who I'm close with. I would be uncomfortable. That's the right word I'm looking for. I would be made un- to feel uncomfortable because I don't, again, it's the same kind of motivation. I don't, I'm not saying I make more than you do or that I make more than anyone really, but I very much don't want to accidentally make someone feel bad by answering a question factually. I don't know what the cultural norm is here. I know that I've I've heard people say before that it's, it's, apparently in the united kingdom that it is uh not seen as a social faux pas to ask but i know that if somebody asked me how much um i earned i don't think i would feel uh too bothered in saying but i would always think that the question was loaded but like i just had lunch with a friend a couple of a couple of days ago a very close friend who i hadn't seen for a while and and we've both taken big changes in our in our day jobs and we both had no problem with sharing that information like it, it just came up in conversation i mentioned how much relay is earning for me and he mentioned how much his job was earning for him and there was no like you know and it was very kind of just like relaxed mm-hmm. and and i think that that actually does tend to be the more normal thing to do here like people people will share that information quite quite willingly if without trying to necessarily rub it in someone's face mm-hmm. so like i might say to you like oh i earned x amount this month like i might just tell you that mm-hmm. um so if if one of your american friends told you that what what would your first thought be um would you wonder why they were sharing it with you it, again it depends on like which tier this friend was in and i don't mean to make it sound so surgical but if it was someone like you, but American, you know, someone I'm just really close with, I don't think I'd think much of it. But if it was someone that that I'm, if it's someone that I wouldn't consider to be family, just even just a, ver- a friend I'm super close with, if they told me how much they made, I'm not sure. I would feel, what would make me feel uncomfortable is not knowing whether or not I should reciprocate. Because especially, especially if their number is less than my number, Mm. because again, I drive a BMW, I make $3 million a year. Not true, of course, but just for the sake of conversation, you know, I don't want it to sound like, I don't want it to sound like I'm showing off, even if they're the ones that started the conversation. Right. Okay. So that that just gives me a bit more context to it, I think, really. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I, I, I do find that that sometimes just a, the justification of I would quite like to own this product because it interests me should be okay in a lot of scenarios, especially if it's if you, the person that you you are justifying to or the crowd that you are justifying to doesn't really have that that much of a vested interest in your financials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. I mean, if you look at this clinically and 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 logically and not emotionally. Um, there is no reason why you or I should have to justify the purchase of a several hundred dollar watch or even a thousand dollar watch. Maybe you should have to- that will have for one year. Well, true. Uh, you might have to justify the uh, $17,000 watch, but that's a different issue. Um, <laughs> but I, and there really shouldn't be any reason why I should have to justify the BMW. But 
nonetheless, I feel compelled to justify both of them, not only to myself and to Aaron, but to anyone who questions me about it. And I feel like it's not rare that if I answer, oh, I have a BMW, it's not rare to see an eye roll, even if it's quiet, so to speak, even if it's a very subtle eye roll or or to get like a a scoff or a, oh, because it's not remarkable for a man of my age to have a BMW, even a used one, but it's not unremarkable either. Hopefully I'm not coming across like a big jerk in saying that, but mm-hmm. does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is interesting, right? Because then, because then a lot of these justifications, they become self, uh, self-fulfilling. Because like I remember when when I first started buying Max, I felt like I had to justify my choice. Yeah, that's a great example. Great example. Like because people would say like, oh, I would you know I'd mention it, and they'd be like, you have a Mac, or like I would mention that I just bought a Mac, and then they'd be like, and I'd be like, oh, because blah 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 blah. Like here's a thousand reasons why. Yep. Because it was rarer and it cost more money, and people didn't understand the value. Mm Hmm. Yeah, I drive a BMW because I wanted a four-door sedan that went quickly that had a six-speed. And let me tell you, anytime I went looking for a sedan with a six-speed, I had no options. And the only options I had were and on and on and on and on and on. These are all things that you say. Yeah, seriously. I can hear it. Yeah, I mean, I've rehearsed it a thousand, well, not a thousand times, but a lot. I've rehearsed it a lot. And, and again, I think it comes from a good place because I don't want other people to feel like I'm judging them or that I think I'm better than them. But nevertheless... I don't think it should be necessary either. I should be allowed to spend my money on what I want to spend it on. And the only reason anyone should be judging me is if I'm doing so at the detriment of Aaron and Declan. Like if if they're not eating, if they're not eating, or if the only thing we could afford is Velveeta, then that's a problem. Well, you wouldn't see it as a problem. I wouldn't see it as a problem, but they would see it as a problem. (laughs) And, you know, if you said, if, if I just went out and bought a, a, a new BMW and yet Aaron and Declan are surviving on, you know, salad and Velveeta, that's a pretty big problem. And you should judge me for that. But short of that, eh, whatever. I like that. All right. I think that's it for me. I'm good. (laughs) I'll wait for people to ask us to justify our reasoning. Yeah, seriously. It's going to happen. Thanks so much to our sponsors this week, Bushel, Fresh View to Go, and Harry's. If you want to find our show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash analog slash 32. My name is Mike Hurley. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Casey is at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. That's Casey Liss. And we'll be back next time uh, for another episode of Analog. Thank you so much for joining us. Until then, say goodbye, Casey Liss. I'll see you later, Mike.